Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. It's a brand new Flyers Daily for the 9th of December, 2023. Flyers Daily, as always, presented by Ticketmaster. Make more memories live. Flyers back in action tonight. It'll be in Colorado to take on the Avalanche, and we're hoping for lots of goals, lots of assists against a team that doesn't score a tremendous amount or let up a tremendous amount of goals in Colorado. Uh, more on that in a moment, but if the Flyers can score and get some assists, then we can make a bigger donation with the Flyers and Penn Medicine assist, which means for every assist this season for the Philadelphia Flyers, they will donate 30 pounds of food to local communities in need. All right, so Flyers in Colorado tonight. Let's learn about the Colorado Avalanche. They they're, have had an interesting season so far. They've been a little up and down. When they've been good, they've been really good. When they've been not good, they haven't been for a pronounced period of time. And actually, you know, their last bunch of games, they won four games in a row. They beat Vancouver, good team, 5-2. They beat Minnesota on the road, uh, 3-2. They beat Calgary, and they beat Tampa, 4-1. Really good stretch there. And they actually won seven of their last eight games in that stretch from November 13th all the way up to November 27th. Then they proceeded to lose three straight. One of them in overtime, the first one in overtime against Arizona. They lost to Anaheim 4-3 in a shootout. Then they lost to the Los Angeles Kings 4-1. And then they won a game against Anaheim, and they won their last game against the Winnipeg Jets. It's the Flyers and Colorado tonight. So they've been kind of an erratic team, although still very good. Fifth in the NHL when it comes to points percentage. So clearly they're doing something right, but... A bit streaky so far this season. Leading the way, as always for them, is Nathan McKinnon. In 26 games, he's got 26 assists. He's an assist-per-game player, but he's also got 10 goals on top of that. And uh, 36 points in those 26 games. 10 of them come on the power play. 10 assists on the power play, one goal. Also, Kale McCarr has got 10 assists on the power play and three goals. And then Miko Rantanen. Nine assists on the power play and three goals. But on the season, Rantanen, 12 goals, 19 points. Both uh, Rantanen, McCarr, and McKinnon, those three players all over point-per-game players. 36 points for McKinnon, 34 for McCarr, 31 for Rantanen. And when you look at, I mean, it's a stunning number. But you look at the Colorado Avalanche and you see that a guy like Rantanen's got 77 shots on goal, a 15.6 shooting percentage, pretty high number. And you look at uh, whether it's uh, Ross Colton, who's got 54 shots on goal. And you look at Val nachushkin has got 65 shots on goal. But at the top of the list is Nathan McKinnon with 121 shots on goal. That's a stunning number. I want, I can, I'm not sure how many he's taken but haven't counted as a shot. But 121 shots on goal. His shooting percentage is low. He's got 10 goals. So his shooting percentage is 8.3%. But he's obviously a guy, and we know about Nathan McKinnon. This isn't exactly breaking news. He's a guy that can generate so much offense, and you better know when he's on the ice because he can make something out of nothing, as can Kale McCarr, as can Miko Rantanen. They're a dangerous team. Um, So that's part of the Flyers' task at hand in this game tonight. Now, it's going to be interesting to see if the Flyers get Georgiev or Prosvetov tonight. I would think a lot in years past, or if the Flyers weren't off to the start that they're off to this season, they probably would get Prosvetov. He's only played in six games so far this season. They've rode Georgiev in 22 of their 26 games. He's got a record of 14-7-1. 
Uh, but the Flyers may get Georgiev tonight, 2.87 goals against average and a 902 save percentage. Um, you know, when you're a team that doesn't have high expectations, a lot of times you get backup goaltenders. It's an opportunity for a team to go, okay, we can play our backup tonight and still come away with a win. We'll see if that happens tonight. We'll see if that perception has moved over to the Central Division of the Western Conference or not. Uh, looking at Colorado a little bit more under a microscope, when you look at uh, the goals for games played this season, you know how much uh, are they putting the puck in the net? Where do they rank in the NHL? Three and a half goals a game, fifth in the NHL. Uh, pretty good number. 2.92 goals allowed per games played is also a pretty decent number when you look at that you know, amount of offense that they're getting. When you're fifth in goal scoring and 11th in goal, the least amount of goals allowed, that's a good number. Flyers ninth in goals allowed in the NHL at 2.73. So that's a good number for the Flyers. Power play for the Flyers, not been good. We know that, 12.2%. It's been better of late. But the uh, uh, Colorado Avalanche, and I just gave you some of the numbers of what guys have individually achieved on the power play. Well, you can imagine that obviously their power play is pretty darn good because they've got some big numbers there. It's actually not as good as you would think. You know, there's some big numbers on those power plays for McKinnon, for Rantanen, and for McCarr, but they're actually ranked 18th in the NHL. I was shocked to see that number when I saw what the individual players have done. Now on the penalty kill, uh, Colorado and the PK this year, 7th in the NHL, killing at 85.1%. Flyers is actually sixth in the NHL at 85.9%. We'll call it 86%. Um, so some good special teams um, and some good matchups in this game. You know, the power, I thought the power play would be better. I still say, say stay out of the box against Colorado because they're a team that's got some really prolific, high, highly skilled weapons um, that can hurt you uh, in this game. So it's the middle game of a three-game trip. Flyers got the trip off to a great start in Arizona with a 4-1 win. I got to say, John Tortorella didn't seem overly enthusiastic about that win. And I was asked about it. Somebody sent me a message and said Torts didn't seem too impressed with that win. I thought there were elements to that game that the Flyers did really well. But I did think it was kind of a low-event game. I didn't think Arizona was particularly good in the game. It kind of shocked me that they were a team that beat the Capitals the game before 6 to nothing and won five straight. I didn't think they played particularly well, and I didn't think their goaltending was particularly good in the game either. Um, but I, I think in thinking about it, sometimes a coaching philosophy, which has been deployed um, at various levels in many sports, is that when your team is playing well, that is when you are hard and tough on them. You don't want to let any slippage come in. You got to keep them dialed in to, you know, to be able to have something to show for when you're playing well. So you don't want to let anything slip through the cracks. You want to have something to show for it. So therefore, you're tough on your team when they're playing well and when they're having success. You're looking to also to elongate the, you know, the team playing well and, you know, keep that going as long as you possibly can. And sometimes being hard on the players. And being more diligent in that way can do that. And conversely, when the team is playing bad, you would think that that's when you go, you know, full bore at players and be really difficult on them. But that's actually when you give them the hugs. It's a lot more positive reinforcement and video and those kind of things. I don't know if that's what Torts is doing, but um, it wouldn't shock me. I think there were things about the Arizona game that I didn't like, but it was a good way to start this road trip. 
The task tonight, I think, is going to be much more difficult against the Colorado Avalanche. And then they'll wrap up the three-game road trip when they take on Nashville uh, coming up this Tuesday night at 8 o'clock. And then they'll return home uh, for Thursday against Washington, Saturday against Detroit, both of those at Wells Fargo Center, and then New Jersey coming up December 19th. Where do the two teams sit in the standings? That's going to bring us to our next talking point here on Flyers Daily. So Colorado comes in top spot in the uh, Central Division of the Western Conference. Like I said, uh, 26 games, record of 16-8-2, 34 points, one point up on the Dallas Stars, but they've played one more game, 5-3-2 in their last 10, lost their last one, and are plus 15 in goal differential. That's a high in their division. Flyers come into this game sitting in the second spot. What? Excuse me? Did you hear that right? Yes. Let me do it again. Flyers come into this game, 26 games into the season, sitting in the second spot in the division. Are you kidding me? 26 games in, a record of 14-10-2, 30 points, 6-3-1 in their last 10. They've won three straight, and they're plus seven in goal differential, which is the third highest in the Metropolitan Division. They are a team that on the road this year is 8-4-1, 6-6-1 at home. They've been much better on the road. Talked about that stat in yesterday's episode. They, they've gone now gone 10 games, giving up three goals or less on the road. When they went nine games, that was the longest streak they've had in 18 years. I'm not sure what it is under 10 games. Tune into the radio broadcast with Tim Saunders tonight, and I'm sure he'll update the stat. But second place in the Metropolitan Division. Now, okay, let's let's take a step back for just one second. Just a little step back. Let's not get crazy. And, yeah, they're in the second spot in the division, no doubt about it. They've played more games than a couple of teams in the division. They've played 26. The Islanders are one point back. They've played 25. So they have one game in hand. Um, the Carolina Hurricanes are one point back of the Flyers, but they've also played 26, same amount of games. The Caps, three points back of the Flyers, but they've played three less games. The New Jersey Devils, also three points back of the Flyers, have played two less games. Pittsburgh now five points behind the Flyers, and they have played one less game. Columbus now nine points behind the Flyers, and they've actually played two more games. So, you know, if you look at it from a points perspective standpoint, which is probably more indicative of how you should look at it, when you look at the Metropolitan Division from a points percentage standpoint, the Flyers are actually the fourth-ranked team. The number one-ranked team is the New Jersey— or the New York Rangers at 771, absurd number. Uh, they're 18-5-1. and one. The Washington Capitals are actually number two with a 587 points percentage. The Islanders are at 580. They've played 25 games. And the Flyers are at 577. Then the Devils at 563. And the Canes at 558. And the Pittsburgh Penguins are sitting at hockey 500. But here we sit on the 9th of December. Two weeks, essentially, from Christmas. What, 16 days? Is that what it is? 16 days from Christmas, and the Flyers are sitting in the second spot in the Metropolitan Division. And it, it got me thinking. We're going to get back to our, you know, Flyers th uh, grades through 25 games, first 25 grades for the Flyers, and we're going to focus on D and the forwards coming up. I want to hit some of it with Bill Meltzer as well. But... You know, I'm looking at this in the Flyers sitting in second spot, and I got a message from a, a guy I know in the game from outside of town and said Flyers are playing great. 
and you know had enjoy it and you know i'm kind of going you know i'm trying to enjoy it but i'm also remaining guarded because i think we've gone through over the last three and a half years four 10 game losing skids you know things look good you get off to a good start then there's a 10 game skid like there was last year so naturally we put up these guardrails on our emotions and how we handle you know the team if you don't have expectations they can't hurt me that's the kind of mindset that a lot of people have gone with. But I'm sitting here and I'm looking at this team. And while that win against Arizona was a good road win and a good way to start out the trip, it was it was a decent game. I'm not going to go overboard about it. The record is decent. It's not spectacular. Again, they're not sitting there with a record of 18-5-1 like the Rangers with a 770 win percentage. They have a record of 14, 10, and 2. It's pretty good. That's a pretty good that's a pretty good record. And if you look at it and you go, okay, well, you know, where does that rank in the entire NHL from a points perspective standpoint? Okay, that's a fair question. It's a really good question. It's actually the twelfth highest points percentage in the NHL. I'm going, I didn't, you know, I wasn't ready to put myself to these kind of tests. And I'm just sitting here trying kind to of say to myself, Okay, there is a huge temptation, an enormous temptation sitting in front of me to just say, F it, (laughs) to say, screw it, and just jump all in and put the heart on the line again. And I know some fans are going through this, through this dilemma, and going, you know what? Is it that bad for this team to compete for a playoff spot? Is it okay to go, you know what, screw it. I know we're in a rebuild, but I want the team to make the playoffs because, damn it, I want playoff hockey back in this city. And does is it mutually exclusive that if the team were to battle for a playoff spot and either get in as a wild card, whatever, or just miss, is that necessarily this definitive line of good versus bad or just bad bad does it mean that the rebuild's over because they battled for a playoff spot does it mean the rebuild is on if they're out of it two months before the season's over you know I I think sometimes we correlate one with the other or losing means the rebuild is on Getting some wins and competing and maybe battling for a playoff spot means it's over. I don't agree with that. A rebuild is not necessarily just about the result on the ice. A rebuild is about how your front office operates. How your front office, what view they have, the long view. Now, some people think, hey, you have to not be good for a rebuild because it's a lot easier to rebuild the higher you draft. Okay, I understand that. And there's teams that, you know, we can point to like the Sabres and, you know, other teams around the NHL, Ottawa, that it didn't work for them. But there are some teams that that did work for. So, you know, you can make the argument either way. You can say, like, look, look, Edmonton, they got all these lottery picks, and they're an incredibly compelling team. They haven't won anything. Or you can look at 
you know, a team like Toronto, who has some really high-end talent but haven't gotten out of the second round, then you can look at a team like Boston or Carolina, you know, some teams that, although Shvechnikov is the number two overall pick, but, I mean, you can look all around the league. I saw this thing on Twitter that every team in the NHL passed on the best player of his generation, and that's Nikita Kucherov because he was taken in the second round, and that's true. That's rare, but that's true. So there is this temptation to just go, you know what, screw it. Being a sports fan and kind of going, okay, cool, I'm glad they won. They're more entertaining to watch, but ultimately it's better if they lose. Sucks. That's a sucky existence as a sports fan. And even though you're doing it as a self-protection mechanism in some ways or the long view, is it necessarily bad if a team that has now already played 10 different defensemen has played in in lineups at particular times, 10 players, 24 and under, on multiple occasions, that if they battle for the playoffs or they get in as a wild card, playing 10 defensemen this season so far, we're 26 games into this thing. They've played 10 different defensemen. 10. They haven't played seven. They've played 10 different defensemen. A lot of those guys are young. Here's the 10 they've played so far this season. Sanheim, who's 27, York, who's 22, Walker, who's 29, Sealer, who's 30, Zamula, who's 23, Stahl, who's 36, Ristolainen, who's 29, Emil Andre, who's 21, Victor Mete, who's 25, and Louis Belpedio, who is 27. Those are the 10 D they've played so far this season. And like I said, they've played games with 10 players in the lineup, 24 and under. They have a 25-year-old goalie and I think a 23-year-old goalie in Carter Hart and Sam Harrison. Is it necessarily, it's not like they're a team battling for a wild card spot that is playing two young players and has a bunch of over-the-hill 32, 31 to 38-year-olds. That's not the case. So is it bad? That's just all, I'm, I'm trying to figure this out too. Because as you guys know, I've talked about I'm not changing my expectations. But do you just go, you know what? Battle for the playoffs. They get there, let's enjoy it. Let's enjoy the team winning. And go, you know what? Maybe I should have some faith in Danny Breer and Keith Jones that they can do a couple of things differently that haven't been done in the recent past. And here those are. That those two can still operate within a kind of a rebuild mentality, not in a buyer's market, maybe still even in a seller's market while battling for a playoff spot, but that they can find talent in the draft and maybe they can leverage some of their players on expiring contracts, whether that's Sean Walker, whether that's Nick Sealer, whether that's Mark Stahl, or whether that's a guy like Rasmus Ristolainen to add even another first-round pick to the already two they have. And then you have three picks in the first round of this coming draft. And you can kind of work on it that way. And then maybe Danny Briere, who was one of the biggest free agent signings in Flyers history, and Keith Jones, who's one of the most likable men in hockey, and all around the league, that's not just here in Philadelphia, maybe they can figure out how to attract free agents at the right time. I'm not saying that's next year. And the right free agents to come in that fit the team's identity and what they're trying to do. 
Maybe those two can figure that out, along with the brand-new locker room, which is, frankly, stunning, and the facilities they have at the practice center as well, the Flyers Training Center. Find a way. Maybe they can find a way to get Meechkoff here sooner than two more years after this. Gauthier coming. Maybe they can do those things. Now, it's I know the crowd, the tear-it-down crowd. You know, they're going to freak out. They're going to freak. There's already people that think they're not rebuilding. And they had no intention to rebuild because John Tortorella's here. And there's been nobody that's, which to me is so backwards. There has been nobody here that's preached the word rebuild more than John Tortorella. But some people think that Torts is talking out of both sides of his mouth because he actually wants to win a game. I'm t- I said it before. If you're asking, if you want to hire a coach that's okay with losing, First of all, good luck finding them, and when you find them, don't hire them. Fool's errand. But the tear-it-down crowd, oh, they're going to have a conniption if this team goes for a playoff spot or battles to the end and doesn't get in. They are going to freak. Those people are going to freak unless the team sucks every night. They're going to go nuts at this notion at this time. Those people are incapable of joy. They will tell you, well, I'll enjoy it when they're a perennial Stanley Cup contender year in and year out. Well, that's what was sold in Buffalo, and that's what was sold in Ottawa. And how has that worked out? Are those people happy? I don't think so. So it's just something I'm kicking around in my own head, and it's playing with my emotions. There, There is a big temptation to jump all in and say, you know what, screw it. I've been hurt before. I can be hurt again, and I'll get back up. I don't know. What say you? You can always email me at jason.mertitus, J-A-S-O-N dot M-Y-R-T-E-T-U-S at gmail.com. You can also always DM me on Twitter at Jason Mert, J-A-S-O-N, excuse me, M-Y-R-T. My DMs are open, or you can tweet me as well. I'd love to get people's thoughts on that. All right, let's wrap it up there. Flyers, Colorado tonight in Colorado. In the Mile High City, we'll see if the Flyers can come away with an impressive win over the Avalanche. We'll break it down tomorrow on a brand new Flyers Daily.